Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Oh, my word. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 73 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. Today, we are talking about conservative treatment of lumbar spinal stenosis. And, um, you know, today is one of those days where I've got like all of these ideas, all of this content that I just wish I could just sit here and do podcast show after podcast show, just because uh, it's really uh, all coming together beautifully. And um, I, I have to thank everybody for those who are listening. Um, I got a great comment from an orthopedic surgeon who, uh, you know, commutes for two hours at a time and has been listening to our show. I really appreciate you um, spending the time to to listen and uh, to send, uh, you know, well wishes. I've been getting so many lately. It's uh, it's just, it's almost hard to keep up now. Uh, but I am looking at all the comments that everybody's sending, all the questions, and, um, and I am trying to uh, send as many links as I can. We have about 250 videos uh, in YouTube with a lot of patients with a lot of different problems. So I want you to make sure that you check those out. Um, and anybody who puts on a rating or review in iTunes um, going forward here uh, for us, um, I'm going to give you a shout out at the uh, next um, podcast that we do. And uh, would really, um, like I said, I'll put up a podcast for people who have certain diagnoses that, that they'd like to talk about. Um, again, we're going to have a, a webinar series that's going to be coming up soon. And uh, that should be exciting. I'm going to try to categorize these. So we have uh, foot and ankle, shoulder, elbow, knee, upper extremity, sh- uh, cervical spine, lumbar spine, different webinars, um, and hoping to make them like 20 to 30 minutes. So it's not too comprehensive, but something that you'll get a lot of information out of. Um, and I don't want to make anything overwhelming for anybody. So uh, if anything seems to be too complicated or I talk too fast or my accent is throwing everything off, please uh, let me know. I'd be more than happy to adjust things for you. Um, but before we get started today on the conservative treatment of lumbar spinal stenosis, um, I, I want to take a moment here uh, to get a word from our sponsor, easyglider.com. They've been great folks, a great company. Um, they're developed by mainly technology group and uh, just a a great bunch of people to work with. So if you would uh, just hold for a minute, we'll have a word from our sponsor and uh, we'll be back in just a bit. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, mainly technology group, have created a high-tech all-terrain chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Let's talk about conservative treatment now. You know, it's a podcast show. It's hard to show how to treat all this, but I think if you um, just break this down in your head and, you know, we always talk about the why of something. Why do we do something? Why do we treat a patient a certain way? You shouldn't just treat a patient the way somebody else treats 
the patient or just because your mentor treated the patient that way, you should have a reason why you do it. Okay. So today we're going to put this together so we can talk about hyperlordosis of the lumbar spine, how that is associated with the anterior pelvic tilt and how uh, that is associated with neurogenic claudication. And so, and we're going to piece this all together. So it's going to be easy to understand, even if it's on a podcast and you're not watching me on YouTube right now uh, or um, at a live conference. Um, and we'll be talking about our, some of our live conferences that we're going to be having here soon. Uh, but let's get started with this, okay? So when you go to treat people with the spinal stenosis, we already went through the evaluation portion. We want to look at all of the contributing factors to lumbar spinal stenosis, especially of uh, a foraminal encroachment uh, approach, okay? So let's look at this anterior pelvic tilt, okay? What causes that? Okay, what caused the anterior pelvic tilt that causes the spine to go into extension, which is irritating the facets, closing the foramen, and, and, and just, you know, as far as active and passive insufficiency just doesn't make sense. Okay, so tight hip flexors is one of the biggest contributors. Okay, so a tight hip flexor will anteriorly pelvic tilt you cause some irritation to your spine. Now, so um, we'll talk about the treatment of these things. You know, look for the flexed gait, okay? Somebody like flexing forward. Do they have weak abdominals, okay? And what's their thoracic mobility like? Also, put this patient on their back Check out their hip. Do a hip clearing exam, okay? Do a sign of the buttock. Do an impingement sign of the hip. Do a, you know, flex them, adduct them, and internally rotate them, or externally, yeah, internally rotate them, just like you would, like any of the precautions for total hip replacement. If that agitates them, increases their back pain, you need to be looking at that hip. The other thing I do is I take that patient with the potential hip, and I do a longitudinal traction of the hip at about 30 degrees of flexion, and I just pull at the ankle, and I, and I just decompress the hip. And sometimes they're like, well, my pain is completely gone. Well, that changes the picture, okay? So, Let's let's look at this tight thoracic spine. Let's start at the top. What I like to do with these folks is I'll put them on their stomachs. And they typically you're thinking, are you crazy? You shouldn't put somebody with spinal stenosis on their stomach because that's going to extend them more. So I put a pillow under their belly so they're relatively flexed. Okay. I put a hot pack over their thoracic spine just to kind of get them relaxed a little bit. Once the hot pack comes off, I will spend some time from about L1 through C7, doing a PA mobilization at every segment. And it's just a nice, like a grade three, grade four mobilization, just to try to improve segmental mobility and improve extension of the, of the um, thoracic spine. Okay, so if you increase the rat, thoracic extension segmentally, the lower lumbar spine will not have to work as hard. It will not hinge as much into extension. And I have done this just as, as like an experiment. I have just mobilized people after heating them and had them gotten up and walked and they're like, well, I can, I can stand straighter and I can walk longer already. Now that doesn't last very long, but it tells you that it is certainly a contributor. Okay. So I do PA mobs after I heat them up. All right. The next thing I get into is a hip flexor stretch. Now, if you, you could do a hip flexor stretch many ways, you could do a standing, um, which many people have a hard time with because their calves are too tight and they just don't feel the stretch in the front of their uh, hip or they don't feel the stretch in the front of their quad. Um, and so I, I typically have a nice little pad they kneel on and I do a kneeling hip flexor stretch. Now I make it a point to tighten up the abs 
when they do this because a lot of people want to hyperextend their back when they're trying to lunge forward. So I have them snug up the abs and just press the pelvis forward. Okay. So that's why I, I always tell them lead with your pelvis, not with your belly button. Um, and so therefore they kind of drive forward better and they stretch a hip flexor. I get them doing this several times a day at home. All right. Let's get that hip flexor stretched out a little bit. And then we want to kind of counter that. So how do we maintain that? So we work on strengthening the glutes. So we will do things like use a total back machine where they're on their stomach and extending the hip. Uh, we will um, do like bridges, keeping the core nice and tight and uh, maybe doing some ball bridges. We'll do a lot of work on the glutes. We'll do lateral band walking to engage the glute medius a little bit. Um, and so we're now taking that pelvis and we're bringing it into a posterior pelvic tilted position a little bit. Okay. Um, then I get into strengthening the abs. I like to do a transverse abdominus um, program, starting with some TRA um, activation in a pelvic neutral position. Then I do it with like a 90 degree hold with one leg, a double leg 90, 90 hold. I throw some Pilates hundreds in there. I might even put a half bioform roll along their spine. And these are all things that I can demonstrate in the webinar. Um, and and then we work on, on activating their abdominals. Um, and then we'll do that in multiple ways. Okay. We may progress them from something as easy as table exercises into doing planks and then planks on unstable surfaces and then a full complement of abdominal core stabilization type activities. Um, cardiovascular exercise. I, I almost all of my spine patients go through a series of cardiovascular exercises. So what do I like to do? I like to use the upper body bike. Okay. So they're sitting in a seat, they're flexed forward a little bit. Um, and then they're using the upper body bike. So you get a little bit of rotation to the spine. It helps bring blood flow to the spine. They're not into this hyperextension position. Then I like to use um, a stationary bike. Now, if somebody is really stenotic, they will probably do better on a recumbent bike. I don't particularly like recumbent bikes because they pinch up the hip a little bit into flexion um, and they hyperflex the knees a lot more than a standard upright bike. But what I do like is using them with spinal stenosis patients because they can get the cardio and open up the lumbar spine and not get so much irritation. And then I may progress them once their abdominals become stronger, their hip flexors are more stretched out, their glutes are stronger and their spine, they can keep their spine in a more neutral position. I might progress them onto a stationary bike, like an upright stationary bike. Um, but I love to get people, you know, up to half an hour to three quarters of an hour of cardiovascular exercise uh, while not having the claudication symptoms, right? These folks don't like to walk a lot. So I don't put them on a treadmill. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Um, if I were to put them on a treadmill, I would incline the treadmill so that they're kind of flexed at the lumbar spine. If I felt like I needed to do that, or if a patient says, you know, I'm going to keep walking the rest of my life, that's my exercise, then I might modify them that way. Um, so I really like to do that. Um, you know, you want to tell them also to avoid like, um, boots that have a, a real thick heel to the back of it, like a work boot or high heel shoes for women, uh, because that increases the lordosis at the lumbar spine and causes more lumbar uh, spinal stenosis and foraminal closure there. Okay. So does that all make sense? We we increase the segments of the thoracic spine so you don't hinge so much at the lower spine. Um, we work on uh, hip flexor mobility, abdominal strengthening, glute strengthening, cardiovascular conditioning, pelvic neutral positioning, teach them body mechanics, and uh, you're on your way. Now, I tell patients this when I first see them. Treating lumbar spinal stenosis, especially when they come see us, sometimes it's just way too late. Okay, it's too far gone. The hips are fused up almost. They've got really bad arthritic hips. Uh, they're jamming up. They, they, they hyperextend. Um, 
you know, I mean, or they, they anteriorly pelvic tilt their spine when they walk a lot. Uh, and, 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 you know, you're in an arthritic situation. Some of these folks will not respond conservatively. And I tell them that up front. There is nothing more important you can do to a patient, especially a spinal stenosis patient, than tell them up front what the outcomes are like. I typically tell people that you have a 25 to 50% chance of getting better with conservative therapy and staying better. Now, with that being said, I they, they, then they'll say, well, what if I don't get better with therapy? The next thing I tell them is, number one, you're going to be more flexible. Number two, you're going to have better uh, core control. Number three, you're going to have better cardiovascular condition. So you're already ahead of the game. So if you do have to have surgery or have some sort of procedure, you're going to be stronger going in, stronger coming out. So nonetheless, they will do better with a conservative course of treatment. Now, some of these folks, I have seen some of these folks do well with injections. But again, we have a structural problem in the lumbar spine. So, you know, the more important thing here with the injections is not just like doing a shotgun effect and, and getting all these areas, but doing an injection to maybe a facet area and see if the pain goes away. I mean, if the pain goes away and it's all local to the low back, we know it's a facet mediated problem. But if they get like a transferminal injection and the leg pain goes away while they're walking and they can get more distance and they're more comfortable, hey, you know, if they get three to six months of relief, maybe that is something they could do in conjunction with their exercise program to still stay active. Some of these people, they get a very temporary relief with the injection, uh, but it did give them some relief. Um, then at that point, a neurosurgeon can look at that and say, well, you know, you injected this area, they get some relief, but it doesn't last for a very long time. Um, then, you know, let's take a look at this. You know, what, what do we do with this? Do we do surgery? And um, if you're suspicious that somebody has... A, uh, a lumbar spinal stenosis issue and you want to get x-rays to see if they have some lumbar instability because that's a contributor, make sure that you have them have x-rays while they are standing. Um, they should The x-ray should be done with a lateral view while they are forward flexing. And again, when they are extending, that will show us some dynamic instability of the spine and can really be a lot more fruitful to the neurosurgeon. And, um, and that can, you know, just kind of save the patient some time um, before they go see the neurosurgeon. So, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they need to have surgery. And I've seen patients who have fusion surgeries and things of that sort, and they do great. Uh, and then we see them afterwards, we continue with conditioning, body mechanics, and uh, they just progress beautifully. Uh, we have excellent success rate with those folks who fail conservatively, conservatively, but end up having to have surgery. So um, lots of information there. I hope that all makes sense. I hope that you now know the why of what you're doing. So if you have, you know, uh, uh, a tight thoracic spine, you do PA mobs, that is why you do the PA mobs. And then it kind of falls down the chain. So always think ahead. Why am I doing this treatment? Why am I evaluating this particular area? Why am I using this special test? Um, and that will really help uh, push you along, especially if you're a new grad or um, a therapist who maybe hasn't been uh, familiarized with uh, orthopedics or neuro, and um, you're just kind of getting back into it. Mid-level providers who, um, you know, you know, uh, just feel that like you don't have the confidence to do this stuff. I hope that these little tidbits of information can really help sort that out for you. Um, so um, for those of you who are listening to this today, it's uh, February 8th, 2019. Um, you know, going forward in March uh, and April, I'm going to be doing some live courses on cervical spine, lumbar spine, shoulder. Uh, we're going to have a whole day of shoulder doing a dissection of a cadaver. We're also going to be doing foot and ankle. 
full uh, in April and also doing a full day on the knee. Um, these are live courses that I do in Bangor, Maine. If you have any interest, uh, please get in touch and uh, I can send you all the information and um, or, or just uh, hook up to our um, newsletter on www.orthoyvalpal.com and um, go to the Get in Touch page, uh, sign in or watch a podcast and sign in there and that'll put you on our list automatically. So folks, again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying and uh, we've got lots more to come. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.